I'm really, really concerned. Of course, I know you are too. But uh, what they're quarantining and keeping things, I heard on the news, I don't, I don't trust none of the news no more anyhow, but I heard the news in New York where that governor in New York said that uh, no synagogue, no church, no matter how big it was, could have more than 10 people in attendance. Can you imagine that? I mean, just think about that. I mean, there's churches with thousands of members, and then it can only have 10 members in uh, attendance at one time. And I, I know how the devil works. The devil is against the church, he's against the Lord and everything. And to get the gospel out and preach the gospel. And so I, I, I see how the devil is working right now in this country. But we need to really pray and ask God's anointing hand on the church. But let's pray for these people that's ill that we just mentioned. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for each one who's come this morning to study thy word together. And we ask you, Lord, that you bless us. But we thank of each one of these cases we've mentioned, Lord, and if you'll touch their bodies, souls and spirits, Lord, lift them up. Let them know they're not alone in this thing, that you take care of them. Everyone we've mentioned, Lord, we know belongs to you. They're your children. So we ask you to touch their bodies, take care of them, raise them up quickly. And when we hear the good news, Lord, we'll thank and praise you for it. Now, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, please, turn your Bibles this morning to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and I would like to begin to read in verse 35. John chapter 1 and verse 35. <coughs> Again the next day, John stood two of his disciples and looked upon Jesus as he walked. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God and the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and said unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith to him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. And Nathanael saith unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? 
Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he says to him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angel of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Father, we ask you again to bless the reading and studying of thy word to each one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Notice, I would like to call this, tell people of God's Christ. Verse 35 says, Again the next day, after John stood, and two of his disciples. In this verse, John has two disciples following him. Then in verse 36, And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Now here John the Baptist formally presents Jesus as Lamb of God and Son of God. Verse 37 and the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. What I want you to see today, if I can, is ever born again child of God, his obligation is to tell people the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. And that's what John was doing in these two, to these two disciples. And when he saw Jesus, looked him, or behold, the Lamb of God. The lamb speaks of sacrifice of offering. The sacrifice speaks of dying. The lamb of God speaks of death, burial, and resurrection because he is God's sacrifice. Now, what I want you to see, though, and what I've got a blessing out of, it, these are John, don't forget now, that John says, the Bible says that these are John's disciples. But when they saw, when they saw Jesus, John gets in the background. All they see now is Jesus. You know there's a lot of people get wanting this day and time wanting everybody to follow them and uh, do after them. But every disciple of God, every disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is to do one thing, and that's to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 29, if you back up, and I, I, I won't take time to read all the way down through verse 33. But verse 29, <clears throat> The next day John seeth Jesus coming to him, and said to him, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, all the way down through verse 33, John told people about the sign, the Holy Spirit coming to abide in Jesus. Verse 34, John introduces his listeners to the Son of God. In verse 34, And I saw, and behold, bear record that this is the Son of God. The Jews were looking for a Messiah, but they thought that a human person might be the, that Messiah. The Messiah was literally the anointed one. In the Old Testament, prophets, priests, and kings were anointed with oil. But Jesus, the Son of God, was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God with us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Now, I've had several discussions with preachers and other Christians about this thing of anointing people with oil. 
in the day that we live in. And they want me to carry around with me like a Catholic priest did at this hospital one time that I was there. He had a little bottle of olive oil and his parishioners, as I observed with him one day as he asked me to stay there, he took the olive oil and anointed them, placed it upon them and so on, and prayed for them, and he called that the anointing of oil. Well, I got news for you. Since Jesus came into this world, He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about being anointed of God today, it's not with some kind of oil. It's with the Holy Spirit of God. You know why I know that I'm a child of God? I haven't been anointed with some kind of olive oil or some other kind of special oil or some kind of water sprinkled over me. I know I'm a child of God because of how the Holy Spirit in me. And that's the anointing of the child of God with the Holy Spirit. And that's the oil that he's talking about here. The Jews were looking for a messenger, another Moses or Elijah, one who would come in the tribulation uh, tradition, I mean, of David and Daniel. One who would come after these men, the prophet, the end of all prophets. Uh, Jesus was not just one who came after these men. Jesus was before these men. Jesus was born according to John chapter 1 and verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, Jesus was in the beginning with the Father. And so he didn't just come upon the scene here in John chapter 1. He was before all these others. The Jews wanted a monarch. They wanted a militant leader, one who would break the power of Rome and build an empire ruled from Jerusalem. Jesus was not just a ruler. He was the Redeemer. Jesus had not come just to set people free from servitude, but He came to set people free from sin. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Now, the fruitfulness of any child of God is found in verse 37. Now, I want you to watch verse 37 of John chapter 1. Verse 37. And the two disciples heard Him speak, and they followed Jesus. you got to remember, as I said before now, these men were following John up to here. But when they saw Jesus, they turned from John and followed the Lord Jesus. That should be, number one, our priority, our first objective. When people hear us, they follow Jesus. Then notice what any good disciple of Jesus will first do when they get saved. Beginning in verse 35, all the way down through verse 39, when somebody gets really saved, they go after somebody else and they bring them to Jesus. Verse 45, Philip finding Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, notice Nathanael's conversion. The picture of Nathanael under the fig tree was a symbol of the nation Israel. The fig tree was one of the three trees used in scriptures to symbolize the nation Israel. It depicts the nation in its unbelief, fruitless, under the law, and therefore subject to God's displeasure and discipline. Nathaniel represents a godly remnant in the nation Israel who would come into the blessings of the new covenant of grace by faith in the Lord Jesus. 
what I'm saying here today, we're, the Jews are not under the law anymore. And neither are we. We're under grace. And every human being today is under the grace of God. In other words, that you get saved the same way the Gentile gets saved. Anybody that gets saved gets saved the same way. And that's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse 51. Verse 51. And said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now there's only one of those. Amen. That's never happened to anybody else. The Son of Man is the Lord's human millennial title. Verily, really, I just said Jesus, or other words, Amen or Amen or truly, truly. You can't improve on that. The word Amen is a Hebrew word with roots in the ordinary Hebrew for belief, faithfulness, and truth. Jesus often used the word verily. In Matthew, a single verily is used 30 times. In Mark, it's used in the single verily 14 times. In Luke, it's used 17 or 7 times. John uses a double verily. Verse 25. Now back up to verse 25 for a minute. And they asked him and saith unto him, why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, or Elias, neither that prophet? But he uses the word, if you study it very carefully, you'll find him 25 times he uses a double verily. The double verily is used to emphasize the Lord's divine authority, to mark the importance of what he was about to say, and to affirm the certainty of the truth he declared. If you go through the scriptures, you'll find in the Old Testament under the law, if you got accused of something, one person didn't have that uh, authority to accuse you. It had to be two. In other words, if I found out something on one of you and I come before the law under those days, I couldn't accuse you by myself and it'd be true. But if I had somebody else to go with me, that saw it or knew it happened by the witness of two people were you convicted. And what Jesus is saying here when he says, Verily, verily, he said, No doubt about it, he's the Son of God. Now, Jesus records the word Amen in the Revelation as the name of Christ. In Revelation 1, verse 18. and Revelation 3, and verse 14. The word man is, uh, Amen is also the last word in the Bible. Revelation 22 and 21. The last thing God has to say to us is to leave us pondering a word that is in a name for His beloved Son. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. Now, here's what I'm saying. Grace and truth did indeed come by Jesus Christ and after affirming that, God has no more to say. You know, it tickles me to listen to some of these so-called preachers and some of these so-called Bible scholars, and they want to improve on the Word of God. They want to, to act like... Uh, it used to be, I was reading behind some old-time preachers just yesterday, and I love to read behind those old-time preachers. You know what they did? They preached the Word of God. Just the Word of God. I mean, they just preached the Word of God. They take the Bible and just preach this old book. 
And they didn't add to it or take from it. They just preached it and left it there. And that, by the way, that's the way you're supposed to preach the Word of God. You're not to add to it or take from it. But today's time that we're living in, people want to improve on the Word of God. And they want to say, well, it didn't really mean that. This is what it means. Or else they want to say it's wrong. Or they want to say, let me add to that now. And the Bible says there's a curse goes with that. Amen? And I do believe, and I've been saying this for years, ever since I was in a meeting with a bunch of preachers and conversing on the authority of the King James Bible, and I do believe this with all my heart, what we're going through in this country right now has to do with what years ago people said about the Word of God. If you, The Bible very plainly says, if you try to improve on the Word of God, there's a curse goes with it. If you don't take the Word of God as it is, there's a curse goes to it. That means you can't add to it or take from it. If you do, there's a curse goes through it. And God curses that people. Now, Jesus, in other words, is our all in all. Now, listen very carefully. After God has revealed to us sinners that He is God in Christ Jesus, that He is a sacrifice for our sins, that He is the only Savior in Christ Jesus, that He is Savior both for Jews and Gentiles, or anybody, that He's the one coming back for us believers to take us to heaven to be with Him forevermore, what else is needed? I was studying an old sermon that I got years ago from a man in England. And he asked this question. And today, is there any word from God? And he goes back, and what he was saying is, does God speak to us today? And he went back, and he started in the beginning in Genesis and went all the way through the Bible. And he brought everything that God has said to you and I today all the way through the Bible. And when he got through, he said, what else is there to say? That God's not going to say anything else that's not written in this book. If God could stand here in person right now and say to you and I, uh, I'm going to preach to you today, He would not add to this book or take from it. He preached directly the same thing as in this book. Because there's a curse that goes with anybody that messes with it. Now, what is needed to be said? Only one thing then. When you read the Bible and you understand it's the Word of God, you understand who the Lord Jesus Christ, and you point everybody to Him, and somebody says, well, that's not all there are to it. No, there's only one else thing to say. Amen. That's all you got to say. When I read the Word of God, I have to sit down and say, Amen. You know what it means? Truly. It means the truth. You know, we're living in a time... Yeah, you don't know who to listen to. You don't know who to trust anymore when it comes to affairs of men today. You just don't really don't. I mean, uh, I have never seen, I never will forget. Years ago, when I was under a pastor as assistant, he called me into his office and I went in and sat down with him and he accused me of doing something that I didn't do. And I said, uh, listen, I got a friend of mine that was there, and he was on the staff with us. I said, call him. He'll back me up in this. He knows. 
He was there when it happened. He knows exactly what happened. He called him up and he said, Oh, I don't even know anything about it. I don't know anything about it. I got news for you. He was not my friend then. Amen? But what I'm trying to say is, you think you know people. You think you can trust people. But let me give you something. We're all human beings. We all make mistakes. We all say things and do things we ought not to do. But there's one that you can put your trust in. And if you're going to point somebody to... Don't point them to your pastor. You know what I used to go out when I first got saved and say to people? Come here, my pastor. That's all I could... That's all I knew. I'd just go, come here, my pastor, preach. But then after I got to understand, thank God for my pastor. Thank God for my church. Thank God for those that led me to Christ. But that's not who I'm supposed to point people to. I'm supposed to point people to my Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ, they get in the background now. Amen? And I, I know that over at my lake place, I get so tickled at uh, some of the people there that uh, I laughed at one in particular. Um, when I first started working over, you couldn't even see the water for the trees and the stuff. And, and Ringhaver equipment brought me over some equipment and I cleared my land and everything with it. And my neighbors would get their chairs and move down on the other side of the bank over there and watch me and take pictures of everything I was doing and watch everything I did. And then I, I started building my house and I'd pour cement and I'd lay the blocks and I built the roof. And I did everything in the world. And my neighbor across the canal from me, he said, Now, Preacher, if you ever need any tools, I got a shed out here, got every kind of tool in the world, come over and get it. And you I said, No, I don't do that. But one day I needed a caulking gun, and I, I, I knew he had one, and he wasn't there, but uh, the other neighbor lived right next to me, and I had a little old John boat sitting down there in the canal, and I went down there and stepped in that John boat and pushed it off. It went over to the shore on the other side. I stepped off it and went up there and got the caulker gun, come back and did the same thing, and went back to work. And here come my neighbors around in their golf cart. And they come up to me and said, Preacher, you didn't really do that, did you? I said, What? Walk on water. We saw you walk on water. I said, No, you didn't. I got a John boat down there. Well, we saw you do this, and we saw you didn't talk about all the things they saw me doing. We, well, if you can do all that, we just thought maybe you might come walk on water. I got news for you. I can't walk on water. Amen? And But I got to lead several of them to the Lord over there by not pointing them to me and watching me, but pointing them to Jesus. Amen. And I believe this with all my soul today, our responsibility is to get people to quit looking at us and quit looking at people and start looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. He will not let you down. All we can do when we get through talking about Jesus is say, Amen. I love to tell people about my Savior and say, Lord, He's a Savior, He'll save your soul. And I don't have anything to add to that or take from it. Just say Amen to it. And go on from there. Amen. Glad I'm saved. Father, bless the coming hour now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Testing. Yeah. I'm going to kill myself.